Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 206. It's September 2016. I'm your host, John Pagliano, the founder and money manager of investablewealth.com. And in today's episode, we're carrying on our entrepreneurial Labor Day series. Today, I want to talk to you about running the numbers. And what I mean by that is, can you make a profit? The bottom line on that is, is that unless your enterprise, the business that you start up, unless it's making a profit, it won't last, it won't be sustainable, and you will be unsuccessful. So even if you're running a non-for-profit organization, you have to have the cash flow and the profit coming in to pay the bills, to pay the salaries, to keep the lights on. As you've heard me say in these previous episodes, I don't think that being an entrepreneur or starting a business is overly complex not at least the introductory levels. If you're going to go out and start a Google or Uber or some big multinational, multi-billion dollar organization, then yes, your enterprise is going to be complicated just from the sheer volume and number of things that you're going to have to address. But on a small level, if you're starting a, a business in your garage or you're just starting a local business or even if it's an international business where you're selling something on the internet, The bottom line is that it all comes down to offering valuable products and services. That's no different than what Google or Merck or General Motors does. It's just on a smaller scale. The good news about you wanting to start a small, focused, and individual business is that you're surviving in the biosystem of all these huge multinational companies which are creating the economic energy that allows you to have a very small niche in that big complicated world without being overly complicated. Think of a rainforest. There's all kinds of biological things going on in that rainforest. It's a very complex system. But at the same time, within that very complex biosystem, there are small individual species that are able to carry out a very successful life cycle and yet their functions and actions are so insignificant you don't even know they're there. That's the way you as a small business person can start your business and hey, the sky's the limit. If you want to start a small business and turn it into a Microsoft or a Ford Motor Company or a Dell computer or a Google or a Facebook or an Apple or a PayPal, I mean, those are all businesses. Every one of those that I named, those are all businesses that pretty much were started in a garage or in a dorm room or in a little business incubator. They started out as small businesses run by just average run-of-the-mill people. Oh, sure, some of them were smart guys at Stanford, but others of them were college dropouts. The key is is that they started with a product and service that had value and they ramped up from there. Now, me personally, I'm not interested in some big international multi-billion dollar business. I'm the millionaire next door kind of guy. I like living in a small community, dealing with my local friends, and serving my clients on a small scale. Those type opportunities exist in every industry. And although I'm in a financial industry that competes with these big multinationals, I'm able to carve out a very nice lifestyle in areas that those big multinationals just can't compete with me at because the value that I add is outside the scope of what they can deliver. That's the same thing that you can do as an automobile mechanic, as a carpenter, as a cardiologist, or as a candle maker. The individual product or service doesn't matter on a comparative basis. 
It just matters that you can deliver that valuable product and service to the marketplace. That's what we've talked about in the two previous episodes. What I want to focus on in this episode is that it has to be profitable. You have to have enough cash flow coming in where you can glean profits from that cash flow and use those profits to pay your bills and reinvest in the enterprise to keep it sustainable. The only way a business can be sustainable is if you have profits because you have to constantly be reinvesting to keep up with technology, to keep up with competition, to keep up with changes in the marketplace. Otherwise, your cash flow will diminish, your profits will decrease, and you'll be out of business. So your enterprise can only be sustainable if it's making a reliable, consistent profit. Well, carrying on the simplistic theme that we've been talking about here, the bottom line is you'll know if you can run a profitable enterprise by simply running the numbers. And I strongly urge you to do this before you quit your day job. This gets back into overcoming the fear that we talked about. I think it was episode 204. The biggest thing that's going to put you out of business is lack of capital. You're going to run out of reserve money before you get your business up and running and sustainable enough to pay you a profit. That's how you fail. If you have enough capital to get you over that hump, then it's just a matter of continuing to find a way to generate a profit. And that's why most businesses fail in the first you know, year to three years. It's because people didn't have enough money to get them over that hurdle. But if you either have those reserves in hand that can hold you over through the lean times, or if you can get your business up and running quickly enough that it's generating that cash flow, well, then you'll be able to survive past those you know, first couple, two, three years. And from there on out, it won't be that it's going to be totally smooth sailing, but you'll have learned to create a structure that brings in that initial revenue and profit that you need. And from there, you'll just have to make tweaks along the way. The hardest part is putting that initial platform or program into service and getting it up and running. But the bottom line is, It has to generate a profit. So how can you know that that's going to occur before you ever quit your day job and start your small business? Well, of course, just like investing in stocks or anything else, none of us can predict a future. We don't have crystal balls. There's always a great deal of uncertainty. So you're going to be dealing with probabilities and you won't know 100% guaranteed that your enterprise is going to be successful or that it isn't going to fail. That's the whole point of being an entrepreneur. The reason you'll be able to generate a profit is because you went through the rubrics and figured out a way to find the prize, to make it happen. Entrepreneurs make money, they generate that profit because they were willing to create organizations in uncertain environments and that courage is rewarded with a profit. If everybody knew that they were guaranteed going to be making a profit, then the returns would be so much more diminished. So how do you run the numbers? Well, it's best if you have a spreadsheet. Do that in something like Microsoft Excel. If you don't have Excel, uh, you may know you can go over to Google, Google Documents, Google Sheets. It's free. It's pretty much an Excel spreadsheet right up on Google. You can download that to your computer. You can use it online. It won't cost you a penny. The great part about using a spreadsheet is that it allows you to do what-if analysis. And simply stated, You can go in and create a spreadsheet or a model that lists the sale price of your product or service, your estimate on how much of those products you'll sell, your likely profit from selling those different volumes of products and services, and then you'll be able to, from that, derive your profit or your loss. And the reason it's called a what-if model or what-if analysis 
is that you can go in and change each of those parameters and see what if. What if you sell 100,000 products? What if you only sell 200 products? What if you sell 2 million products? What if you sell it for $1.99? What if you sell it for $10.99? So you can easily plug and play all those different concepts into your spreadsheet and come up with a world of alternatives. And by doing that, you can kind of create an economic model and say, is this realistic? And so again, it doesn't matter what the product or service is. Let's say that you want to be a massage therapist or you want to repair automobiles or you want to repair computers or you want to make flower arrangements or you want to grow organic tomatoes. It doesn't matter what it is. You you start your model and, and let me go step back a little bit further. If for whatever reason you don't want to use Excel or you don't want to use Google Sheets, then you can do this on a piece of paper. It's just harder, obviously, on a piece of paper because you have to go in and mathematically add up all the columns each time, but it can still be done on a piece of paper. In fact, it should be simple. Your model should be simple enough that you can put it on a piece of paper, but you really want to put it on a spreadsheet so that you can instantaneously model different scenarios and then save all those different files so you can go back and research them and determine what's the most likely and realistic scenario. So regardless of the product or service, whether it's candles or flower arrangements or whether you want to be a masseuse or a plastic surgeon, you know, regardless of the product or service, simply start out by defining how much you're going to charge for that product or service. And as we talked about in previous episodes, it's so much easier now that we have access to the internet and the World Wide Web. You don't have to go very far to research these. If you want to know what LASIK eye surgery costs in Dallas, it's pretty easy to figure that out. If you want to know what organic lettuce costs in Minneapolis, again, it's pretty easy to figure that out. If you want to know what it costs for a deep tissue massage in Milwaukee, you can go on the internet and find that out. So whatever the product or service is you're offering, at this point, it doesn't matter. You've already determined that in previous episodes. Now you're just focusing on what is the price for that product or service. Once you've determined the product price for that, put it in your spreadsheet under price. The next step is a little bit more complicated because you have to make a lot of assumptions, but you have to assume how many of those products or services can you sell. Now, even though this is complicated, You want to start out with some back-end estimates of how much time and effort does it take either you or your employees to create that product or service. You know, for example, if you're a deep tissue therapeutic masseuse and you are personally providing those massages yourself, well, you start with a limiting factor of 24 hours in a day, right? There's no way that you can work more than 24 hours in a day to bring that massage therapy onto the marketplace if you're the only employee and if you're doing this manually. Again, it may seem oversimplified, but you start with that. You say, well, I can't do more than 24 hours worth of massages in any given day, and I can only work seven days a week. So that's your maximum output for you as an individual masseuse. And then obviously you can't do 24 hours a day anyway, seven days a week. So you have to back off of that. You have to say, well, I have to sleep at least five hours a day. I want to take at least one day a week off. There's going to be time between my appointments where either I'm traveling to someone or the client is coming to my office space and I can't uh, guarantee that I'm going to have them there back to back each and every day, six days a week. So you factor all those things in and maybe you come up with the fact that in a given seven day week, you can't produce more than 32 hours of massages, right? Whatever the number is. 
But okay, now you have what you think is a realistic number. And you also know what that type of massage is being compensated for in the marketplace because you just researched that in the price section. So now you know that, say, a massage goes for $100 an hour. You can do, say, 32 hours a week of massages. You now know that at your maximum output as a therapeutic massage therapist in any given week, you can't make more than $3,200. Now, again, we're doing this in a spreadsheet, so you can always go back and tweak that. Well, what if I can do 34? Well, what if I can only do 28? What if in my area I can only get $75 instead of $100 an hour? That's the beauty of using the spreadsheet, and that's the what-if scenarios you'll go through when you get this thing all built out. For the example of, of the massage therapist, you think in your model you're currently limited to $3,200. Well, that's your cash flow. That's your top-line sales or revenue. That's how much you're going to sell in a given week. That's not your profit. To figure out your profit, you have to determine what your fixed and variable costs are. Are you renting office space? Do you have furniture beyond your massage table? Do you have to carry different types of liability insurance? Do you have to purchase essential oils and towels and sheets? All that to run your business. Uh, most likely you have communication fees, right? Do you have a cell phone or an answering service or voicemail that you have to pay for? What about your employee compensation? What if you're the only employee? Well, you still have to pay yourself enough to cover your living expenses. You have to cover your health insurance. You have to cover your transportation costs. All those things go into figure, figuring out your fixed and your variable costs. Once you know those costs, and incidentally, I would separate those as fixed costs and variable costs because as you develop more and more of a sophisticated model that you're going to be calculating your profits on, your fixed costs, as a name implied, are going to remain fixed. Whether you bill 32 hours of massages a week or whether you only bill 15 massages that week because you took sick time off or you had a vacation or because you didn't have enough clients to buy your services, whether that's 15 hours or 32 hours, your fixed costs don't change. Your rent is going to remain the same. Your liability insurance, things like that are going to remain the same, but your variable costs will change. You won't use as many towels or sheets if you don't have as many clients coming in. And so that's a variable cost for someone in the massage business. All those things factor in as to what your profit margin is going to be. And it will be very important that you can make that more accurate. The more accurate you can make that model, the better you'll be at it at being able to understand whether or not you can profitably ramp up your business. Your model can be that simple, though. Figure out whatever product you're selling, whether it's a physical product that's a widget that you're going to sell. You know, how many of those can you sell? What does it cost to make them? What does it cost to distribute them? Or if it's a service, whether it's pest control or plastic surgery or repairing automobiles or carpentry work, handyman, it doesn't matter. It's either a product or it's a service. In some cases, it may be a blend of the two. But the bottom line is you need that spreadsheet so you can do the what-if analysis to come up with these models to see how much they'll fit the real world that you live in. Because once you know what the market price is, once you have a feeling for what your general cost is going to be, then it comes back to basic economics of supply and demand. How, you know, how big of a marketplace is there? How much are you going to sell? And then can you actually create the supply to meet that demand? That ability to ramp up and meet the supply for the given demand is going to determine what type of tools that you need to, uh, to purchase to help you automate your business or how much of an initial investment you need to make. You know, how, how big does your office space need to be? Uh, how many trucks do you have to have in your fleet? 
How many times a day do you have to drop your products off at UPS to get them shipped? Or how many employees do you need to start out with? I mean, these are all things that can very simply and, and to some degree quite accurately, depending upon how good your model is and how complicated the business venture you're starting, this what-if analysis is something that's very easy for you to recreate. And depending upon the complexity of your business and how accurate your input is, you can oftentimes come up with models that are very much going to be able to predict the cash flow and profitability of your business. And so what I want to emphasize here is this is what you do before you quit your day job. This goes back to when we talked about fear in episode 204. You want to know whether your fears are rational or irrational. And if you have a reliable model that can show you all the different what-if scenarios, that'll help you determine how realistic or unrealistic or how justifiable your fears are. When you're building the what-if model, I would tell you that I think the hardest concept of it is, is that demand side. It's fairly easy to come up with how much your product should sell for, given what the marketplace is paying for similar products. And once you know what type of product or service you're going to have to construct, it's fairly easy to uh, come up with what your costs are going to be, both fixed and variable. That hard part, the thing that's going to have the most subjectivity and speculation attached to it, is going to be the demand. How much can you actually sell? And so given those constraints, I would err on the side of caution. And that's like when I talked about in the previous episode about when you go on vacation, you take half the clothes and twice the money you think you're going to need. When you're coming up with your what-if model before you actually quit your day job and start your business, gear way back on your projected sales. You know, cut that number in half or reduce it by 10 times, whatever you have to do. Come up with a very, very, very conservative demand model And what that will do, it will force you to have more cash reserves. And then that way, if in your first two months or three months or six months, if it's taking you so much more time to build your client base than you thought it would be, that's okay because you're drawing on your cash reserves and you know your product's successful. You know people are willing to buy it. You're just not selling a million of them. You only sold 250,000. And so you know that if you have more marketing or more advertising, that you'll get more clients. It's not a matter that your product isn't any good. It's just a matter that you're not reaching enough people. And since you have the cash reserves to draw on, you'll be able to weather that storm for another two or three or five months until you have the adequate cash flow. That's why it's so important to have that cash reserve before you start your business. When it comes to running the numbers, the other thing that I think is very important for you to consider while you still have your day job, you know, while you're an employee, and that's how much money do you actually need to meet your living expenses? For our example, let's say that you currently have a salary of $80,000. Well, obviously, that's your top-line salary, taxes and things come out of that, but there's also a lot of benefits that are associated with that. So even though your salary is $80,000, For our purposes, let's just say that there's another $20,000 of benefits in there, which would bring your total compensation up to $100,000. That additional $20,000 might cover things such as your health insurance or such as life insurance or other benefits that your employer may pay and that are included in your total compensation package. It should also include things like the employer half of the payroll taxes that you don't see come out of your wages because when you become self-employed, you'll have to pay for those your yourself. So just because you're making $80,000 a year, don't think that you have to generate $80,000 to get even. 
you're going to have to generate whatever that total compensation number is. Perhaps it's $100,000. Perhaps it's $115,000. So factor that in to your what-if analysis as well. You know, what, what do I need to sell to generate enough profit that's going to make me even with where I am currently in my day job? Now remember, you're not going to be making that from day one when you start your new business. That's why it's important that you have that cash reserve to draw on to provide you with the difference between whatever type of profit you can pay yourself back and what your actual living expenses are. So when it comes to being an entrepreneur, the best advice I can give you is before you ever quit that day job, make sure you've run the numbers, that you've done a lot of what-if analysis, and that you can be prepared for the different scenarios that you're going to encounter once you actually put up your sign and you start running your business. The faster your business can start turning a profit, the more assured you can be that you're in a sustainable business. So make sure you run the numbers. So that'll end it for today's episode. I think these last three are the three most critical that apply to you no matter what type of enterprise you're starting up. You want to learn to deal with your fears and know if they're rational or irrational. Number two, regardless of what type of business you're in, you will have to realize that it's all about creating a valuable product or service. doesn't matter what it is. It has to be a valuable product or service. It's going to work best when it fits and aligns with your talents and abilities. And the final thing is you have to make a profit. The sooner you can do that, the better. The best way to understand that is to run those numbers before you ever quit your day job. Those are the three most critical things I think any entrepreneur needs to think about. But I am going to have one more episode in this series, and that's because I received so many questions where people specifically asked about freelancing and working travel jobs or or getting jobs overseas for short periods of time. So I'll finish up our Labor Day series coming back in the next episode and sharing some thoughts that I have with you about freelancing and traveling. And so until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.